We wanted to do something a little bit different for you today. Uh, with the beginning of the new semester at West Liberty, we have Isaac back with us from the Eastern Panhandle. Since the beginning of this pandemic, he has been over there with his highly, highly Presbyterian family, and we're happy to have some of our West Liberty people back. Um, so, in, in the spirit of togetherness and beginnings and hoping for something better on the horizon, if you would like to join with us, the back of your insert your bulletin has our anthem today. This is a day of new beginnings. So if you feel brave, why not sing along with us? happy to go to verse 21 of this. The gospel lesson today is from Matthew, the 15th chapter, and we're going to pick up at verse 21. Jesus left that place and went away to a district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, the Canaanite woman from the region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting at us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. All right. When last we met, we heard the story of a man named Joseph. Joseph 
was the son of Isaac, uh, of the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And Joseph had a very special and glorious coat given to him by his father because he was his father's favorite, which made his other 11 brothers hate him. And so they picked him up and they threw him in a well, knowing that he would either starve in the well or if the waters came, he would drown in the well, so he would be dead as a dog in the well. But then one of them decided, no, we could really make a couple of pieces of silver on this boy, so let's sell him to the traders coming by. And they sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. He was taken to Egypt, and while in Egypt, he was sold to be the slave of a man whom we would now call the, the uh, secretary of the Department of the Treasury, Potiphar. Potiphar had a wife who was, if you've watched the movie, as hot as Joan Collins. And as seductive as Joan Collins, as the story goes, because according to the story, she wanted to be with Joseph, and he, being a person of honest repute, refused her many times over. And finally, having been caught with him, she accused him, and he was put in prison. While in prison, he meets, and he's in a white-collar prison. Understand that. Because he's in prison with uh, the wine tester for the pharaoh and the chief baker of the pharaoh. And they both have wild and crazy dreams. And remember that this is a family full of dreamers. And so Joseph interprets their dreams correctly. The bakers that he will soon die and the wine tasters that he will be released from prison and regain his position right next to the pharaoh. And sure enough, he predicts those perfectly. And the wine tester is released knowing that Joseph said to him, remember me to the pharaoh once you get out of here, which the wine tester promptly forgot to do. But two years later, Pharaoh is troubled by his dreams, a dream that a shaft of wheat is eaten, full shaft of wheat is eaten by a scrawny-looking shaft of wheat, and full and luscious cows are eaten by skinny, scrawny cows. And Joseph correctly is brought to Pharaoh and interprets his dreams that years of famine are about to take place. So Joseph is put in charge, basically becomes the director of the Department of Agriculture. He's put in charge of all the crops, and a fifth of the crops are put away so that when the famine comes, they will all have food. In fact, they have so much food that Joseph's family comes from Canaan to Egypt before him wanting food. And he gives it to them and sends them away. But he wants to see his father, so he tricks them 
by keeping one of the brothers so that they have to bring his father to them. And all this time, they don't recognize Joseph. We don't know why, but I have some theories. And this is where it picks up now. Having the, the family having twice seen Joseph, having him spoken to his brothers, and now in Genesis 45, we hear this. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made, his, made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near me, and you and your children, and your children's children, as well as your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I asked you five years ago, what you thought 2020 would look like, 
How many of you would have guessed that it would have looked like what it looks like today? If any of you had, please let me know because I will take you with me to the track or we will play some lottery tickets or numbers or something because I think most all of us can agree that nobody anticipated the kind of year we have had. I mean, come on. Pandemics, we're wearing masks, we're keeping socially distanced. We might have school starting, or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll have it virtually, and maybe we won't. We're hearing things on the news like Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Unborn Lives Matter, No Lives Matter. There's rioting in the streets. The economy is bad. Unemployment is up. Oh, wait. Somewhere else I heard the economy is good and unemployment is improving. It's a crazy time in our world. And in saying that, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. I think there are people who are living right now who are miserable because they're isolated and alone. They're struggling with trying to figure out what to do with all of this stuff. You've heard me say, I think revival is coming. And the reason that I think that is because I think people are sitting in the midst of this muck and saying to themselves, what is life really all about? What are we doing here? How do we relate to one another? What are we really meant to do and be? What's the point of it all? You can't imagine in the Joseph story that he had those kinds of feelings all the time. Imagine how confused this young man was. He was his father's favorite. Close to his father's knee at all times. Much loved by his parents. And because of that, much hated by his brothers. He had a fancy coat. You know the kind of fancy coat that a prince gets at his coronation. He was the prince of the family, even though he was the youngest son. (laughs) And the others who were ahead of him would have none of it. They threw him in a pit knowing that if the rains came, the rains would drown him while he was in the pit, knowing that wild animals could get in the pit and eat him live, knowing that at very worst, he'd never get out of the pit and he'd starve to death there. They really hated him. They wanted him dead. 
the text says, and if you watch the movie, the brothers threw him in the pit and they looked in on him. Can you imagine having such disdain for another human being that you look in upon them in the pit and no compassion stirs in you to pull him out? And finally he gets saved from this fate worse than death by getting sold into slavery. What misery that has to be. He's taken from the only land he's ever known, the only language he's ever known, and he's thrown into a whole different world. Where according to the text, and remember that the text is written to make Joseph the hero, so it's questionable what really happened. But according to the text, he is mercilessly sexually harassed by his owner's wife. The text says many times she made advances toward him. Day after day, she was going after him. This guy is living a miserable life. And oh, it gets better, then he gets thrown into jail. Now, we can say all we want about the American judicial system and the American penal system and how our prisoners have it good A I'm not sure about that B prisons around the world are no cakewalks and C Prisons in, the, in, in Joseph's day were places of misery. Even though he was in a prison with other people like him, other, you know, what we would call a white-collar prison today, people who had wronged the pharaoh or wronged the government, people who were upper-class elites, he was not living a good life in prison. And finally he gets out of there and things start to look up for him. And here comes those darn murderous, hate-filled brothers of him, of his, begging for them to save his life, for, their, for him to save their lives. Give us food, because we don't have anywhere we live. Any number of us would have said, get out of here. You didn't care if I died in a hole. I don't care what happens to you. And yet, he doesn't. He doesn't say it. What the prince says, the prince of Jacob, he says, I'm your brother, are you breaking our furniture? What are you doing? Okay. I'm your brother who sold you, whom you sold into Egypt. Don't be distressed or angry with yourselves. He's worried about them. 
For God sent me before you to preserve life. It was not you who sent me here, but God. All the misery and pain and yuck that Joseph had gone through, he turns to his brothers, who were at least partly responsible for it, and says, No, you didn't do that. God did that. Now understand, because this gets confused often in theology, I am not saying that God made all those bad things happen. That God somehow wanted Joseph to suffer. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying bad things did happen and Joseph suffered and God found a way to use them for good. And Joseph, at this point in his life, knows it. He knows it so much that he's trying to convince the brothers to see because they are living with guilt and anger for what they have done. He convinces them, no, it's not you. It's God. God does all things for good for those who love them, later Paul will say. Joseph lived in misery, and he could have easily thought, why has God abandoned me? Where is God in all of this? Why is my life so miserable? Why can't God act to help? It's not what he says. He says what his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather have known all along. God is with us. God has made a promise to us. God keeps all the promises God makes. And even in the midst of trouble and despair and trial and pain, God is still present, acting on my behalf. There is a great new children's Bible that the Presbyterian Church USA has published. It's written by a Presbyterian clergywoman named Sally Lloyd-Jones, and it's called the Jesus Storybook. And in her tale about Joseph, she says this, One day God would send another prince a young prince whose heart would break. Like Joseph, he would leave his home and his father. His brothers would hate him and want him dead. He would be sold for pieces of silver. He would be punished even though he had done nothing wrong. But God would use everything that happened to this young prince, even the bad things to do something good for this young prince would ultimately forgive the sins of the world 
Amen.